Narrative of the Lord's Dealings with George Muller Part 2 Through grace I am, in some measure, conscious of my many weaknesses and deficiencies, but, with all this, I know that I am a member of the body of Christ, and that, as such, I have a place of service in the body. The realization of this has laid upon me the responsibility of serving the church in the particular way for which the Lord has fitted me, and this has led me to write the second little volume, if by any means those of my fellow saints who have not yet learned the importance and preciousness of dealing with God himself, under all circumstances, may be helped in learning this lesson. Nor did I think that the first part of this narrative rendered the second part needless, because that contains more especially the Lord's dealings with me as an individual, whilst this gives, more particularly, an account of the remarkable way, in which the Lord has helped me in reference to his work in my hands. For the second part carries on the account of the orphan houses, etc., which are under my care, and contains the substance of the reports previously published, so that anyone, who wishes to have the account from the beginning up to the end of last year, may be able to obtain it. This latter point alone made it needful for me to think about publishing the second part, as of the reports, for 1838 and 1839, which still almost daily are inquired after. There are only a few copies left, though 2,500 of the one and 3,000 of the other were published, and of the report, for 1840 there are also only about 500 out of 4,000 remaining. The being thus able to put the whole account of the work into the hands of an inquiring individual, affords such a one a fairer opportunity of seeing the working of those scriptural principles on which the institution is established. And, lastly, the Lord's continued blessing upon the first part of the narrative and the reports, both to believers and unbelievers, has induced me to publish the second volume, which I now affectionately commend to the prayers of the saints, requesting at the same time their prayers for myself. George Muller Bristol, June 14, 1841. In publishing the continuation of the narrative of some of the Lord's dealings with me, I have thought it well to give it in the same form in which the larger portion of the former part is written. I therefore proceed to give extracts from my journal making here, and there are such remarks as occasion may seem to require. The first part of the narrative was carried on to the beginning of July 1837, from which period the continuation commences. July 18, 1837. For trials came upon me this morning, without my having previously had opportunity for secret prayer. I had been prevented from rising early, on account of having to spend part of the night in a sick chamber, but this circumstance shows how important it is to rise early when we are able, in order that we may be prepared, by communion with the Lord, to meet the trials of the day. August 15th. Today the first 500 copies of my narrative arrived, and I had, once more, some conflict of mind, whether, after all, I had not been mistaken in this matter. A sort of trembling came over me, and a wish to be able to retrace the step. Judging, however, from the most searching self-examination, through which I had caused my heart to pass again and again as to my motives, before I began writing, and whilst I was writing, and judging, moreover, from the earnestness and prayer with which I had sought to ascertain the mind of God in the matter, and from the subsequent full assurance which I had had of its being according to His will, that in this way I should serve the Church. I was almost immediately led to consider this uncomfortable and trying feeling as a temptation, and I therefore went to the box, opened it, brought out some copies, and soon after gave away one, so that the step could not be retraced. This was the last temptation or struggle I have had of that kind. For, though, very many times, since, I have had abundant reason for praising the Lord, that he put such an honor upon me, in allowing me to speak well of his name in so public a manner, I have never since, even for one minute, been allowed to regret publishing the narrative, and almost daily have I been more and more confirmed in the conviction that the giving such, like publications to the church, making known the Lord's dealings with me, is one part of my service towards the saints August 17th. Today two more children were received into the infant orphan house which makes up powerful number, 66, in the girls' and infant orphan houses. August 28th. When Brother Craig and I began to labor in Bristol, and consequently some believers united with us in fellowship, assembling together at Bethesda, we began meeting together on the basis of the written word only, without having any church rules whatever. 
from the commencement it was understood that as the Lord should help us, we would try everything by the word of God, and introduce and hold fast that only which could be proved by scripture. When we came to this determination on August 13, 1832, it was indeed in weakness, but it was an uprightness of heart. On account of this it was, that, as we ourselves were not fully settled as to whether those only who had been baptized after they had believed, or whether all who believed in the Lord Jesus, irrespective of baptism, should be received into fellowship nothing was determined about this point. We felt free to break bread, and be in communion with those who were not baptized, and therefore could with a good conscience labor at Gideon, where the greater part of the saints, at least at first, were unbaptized, but, at the same time, we had a secret wish, that none but believers, who were baptized might be united with us at Bethesda. Our reason for this was, that we had witnessed in Devonshire much painful disunion, resulting, as we thought, from baptized and unbaptized believers being in fellowship, Without, then, making it a rule, that Bethesda Church was to be one of close communion, we nevertheless took care that those who applied for fellowship should be instructed about baptism. For many months there occurred no difficulty, as none applied for communion, but such as had either been already baptized, or wished to be, or who became convinced of the scriptural character of believers' baptism, after we had conversed with them afterwards, however, three sisters applied for fellowship, none of whom had been baptized, nor were their views altered, after we had conversed with them. As, nevertheless, Brother Craig and I considered them true believers, and we ourselves were not fully convinced what was the mind of the Lord, in such a case, we thought it right that these sisters should be received, yet so that it might be unanimously, as all our church acts then were done, but we knew by that time, that there were several in fellowship with us who could not conscientiously receive unbaptized believers. We mentioned, Therefore, the names of these three sisters to the church, stating that they did not see believers' baptism to be scriptural, and that, if any brother saw on that account a reason why they should not be received, he should let us know. The result was that several objected, and two or three meetings were held, at which we heard the objections of the brethren and sought for ourselves to obtain acquaintance with the mind of God on the point Whilst several days thus passed away before the matter was decided, one of those three sisters came and thanked us that we had not received her before being baptized, for she now saw that it was only shame and the fear of men which had kept her back, and that the Lord had now made her willing to be baptized. By the circumstance those brethren who considered it scriptural that all ought to be baptized before being received into fellowship were confirmed in their views, and, as to Brother Craig and me, it made us, at least, still more question whether those brethren might not be right, and we felt therefore that in such a state of mind we could not oppose them. The one sister, therefore, who wished to be baptized, was received into fellowship, but the two others not. Our consciences were the less affected by this, because all, though not baptized, might take the Lord's Supper. With us, at Bethesda, though not be received into full fellowship, and because at Gideon, where there were baptized and unbaptized believers, they might even be received into full fellowship, for we had not then clearly seen that there is no scriptural distinction between being in fellowship with individuals and breaking bread with them. Thus matters stood for many months, that is believers were received to the breaking of bread even at Bethesda, though not baptized, but they were not received to all the privileges of fellowship in August of 1836 I had a conversation with Brother H.C. on the subject of receiving the unbaptized into communion, a subject about which, for years, my mind had been more or less exercised. This brother put the matter thus before me, either unbaptized believers come under the class of persons who walk disorderly, and, in that case, we ought to withdraw from them, toothless. I, I, I. 6. Or they do not walk disorderly. If a believer be walking disorderly, we are not merely to withdraw from him at the Lord's table, but our behavior towards him ought to be decidedly different from what it would be were he not walking disorderly, on all occasions, when we may have intercourse with him or come in any way into contact with him, now this is evidently not the case in the conduct of baptized believers towards their unbaptized fellow believers. The Spirit does not suffer it to be so, but he witnesses that their not having been baptized does not necessarily imply that they are walking disorderly, and hence there may be the most precious communion between baptized and unbaptized believers. The Spirit does not suffer us to refuse fellowship with them in prayer, in reading, 
and searching the scriptures, in social and intimate intercourse, and in the Lord's work, and, yet this ought to be the case, were they walking disorderly this passage, to Thess. I, I, I. 6. To which Brother R.C. referred, was the means of showing me the mind of the Lord, on the subject, which is, that we ought to receive all whom Christ has received, Rom. XV7, irrespective of the measure of grace or knowledge which they have attained unto some time, after this conversation, in May 1837, an opportunity occurred, when we, for Brother Craig had seen the same truth, were called upon to put into practice the light which the Lord had been pleased to give us a sister, who neither had been baptized, nor considered herself under any obligation, to be baptized, applied for fellowship. We conversed with her on this as on other subjects, and proposed her for fellowship, though our conversation had not convinced her that she ought to be baptized. This led the church again to the consideration of the point. We gave our reasons, from scripture, for considering it right to receive this unbaptized sister to all the privileges of the children of God, but a considerable number, one-third perhaps, expressed conscientious difficulty in receiving her. The example of the apostles in baptizing the first believers, upon a profession of faith, was especially urged, which indeed would be an insurmountable difficulty, had not the truth been mingled with error for so long a time, so that it does not prove willful disobedience, if anyone in our day should refuse to be baptized after believing. The Lord, however, gave us much help in pointing out the truth to the brethren, so that the number of those who considered that only baptized believers should be in communion, decreased almost daily. At last, only fourteen brethren and sisters, out of above 180, thought it right, this August 28, 1837, to separate from us, after we had had much intercourse with them. I am glad to be able to add, that, even of these fourteen, the greater part afterwards saw their error, and came back again to us, and that the receiving of all who love our Lord Jesus, into full communion, irrespective of baptism, has never been the source of disunion among us, though more than forty-four years have passed away since September 2nd. I have been looking about for a house for the orphan boys, these last three days. Everything else has been provided. The Lord has given suitable individuals to take care of the children, money, and see in his own time he will give a house also. September 6th. This morning I accompanied a sister, who had been staying a night with us, to the steamer. In answer to prayer I awoke at the right time, the fly came at half past five, her trunk was got from the vessel in which she came yesterday, and we arrived before the steamer had left. In all these four points I felt my dependence upon the Lord, and he, having put prayer into my heart, answered it in each of these four particulars. September 15th. This evening we had a meeting for inquirers and applicants for fellowship. There were more than we could see within three hours, and when all strength was gone, we had to send away four. Among those whom we saw was E.W., who had been kept for some time from applying for fellowship on account of not seeing believers' baptism to be scriptural. She wished to be taught, but could not see it. She felt grieved that on that account she could not attend to the breaking of bread, which she did see to be scriptural. As soon as open communion was brought about at Bethesda, she wished to offer herself for fellowship, but was twice prevented by circumstances from doing so last Wednesday evening she came to the baptizing, when once more, after the lapse of more than two years, I preached on baptism, which fully convinced her of its being scriptural, and she desires now to be baptized. Her difficulty was that she thought she had been baptized with the Spirit, and therefore needed no water baptism, which now, from Acts 44-47, she sees to be an unscriptural objection though it is only one month this day since my narrative was published. I have already heard of many instances in which the Lord has been pleased to bless it. This morning we received a parcel with clothes and some money for the orphans from a sister at a distance. Among the donations in money was a little legacy, amounting to sixes. Six and one hefty. From a dear boy, the nephew of the sister, who sent the things, who died in the faith. This dear child had had given to him, in his last illness, some new shillings, sixpences, and other smaller silver coins, amounting to the above-mentioned little sum. Shortly before he fell asleep, he requested that this his little treasure might be sent to the orphans. This precious little legacy is the first we have had. September 19th. Two things were today particularly impressed upon my heart, and may the Lord deepen the impression. 1. 
that I ought to seek for more retirement, though the work should apparently suffer ever so much. 2. That arrangements should be made, whereby I may be able to visit the brethren more, as an unvisited church will sooner or later become an unhealthy church. Pastors, as fellow laborers, are greatly needed among us. September 28th, I have for a long time been too much outwardly engaged. Yesterday morning I spent about three hours in the vestry of Gideon, to be able to have more time for retirement. I meant to do the same in the afternoon, but before I could leave the house I was called on, and thus one person, after the other came, till I had to go out. Thus it has been again today. October 16th. For a long time past Brother Craig and I have felt the importance of more pastoral visiting, and it has been one of our greatest trials, that we have been unable to give more time to it. This evening we had purposely a meeting of the two churches at which Brother Craig and I spoke on uh, the importance of pastoral visiting. 2. The particular obstacles which hindered us in attending to it. 3. The question whether there was any way of removing some of the obstacles. I asked the importance of pastoral visiting. The following points were mentioned. 1. Watching over the saints by means of visiting them to prevent coldness or to recover them from backsliding. 2. To counsel and advise them in family affairs, in their business, and in spiritual matters. 3. To keep up that loving familiar intercourse, which is so desirable between the saints and those who have the oversight of them. These visits should be, if possible, frequent, but in our case there have been several obstacles in the way. 2. The particular obstacles in our case are, 1. The largeness of the number who are in communion with us 100 would be quite as many as we have strength to visit regularly and as often as would be desirable but there are nearly 400 in fellowship with us too. The distance of the houses of the saints from our own dwellings as many live more than two miles of. 3. The Lord's blessing upon our labors. Not one year has passed away since we have been in Bristol, without more than fifty having been added to our number, each of whom, in general, needed several times to be conversed with before being admitted into fellowship. 4. That brother Craig and I have each of us the care of two churches. At the first sight it appears as if the work is thus divided, but the double number of meetings and see nearly double the work. 5. The mere ruling and taking care, in general, of a large body of believers, irrespective of the other work, takes much more time and requires much more strength, and the taking care of a small body of believers, as we, by grace, desire not to allow known sin among us six. The position which we have in the church at large brings many brethren to us who travel through Bristol, who call on us or lodge with us, and to whom, according to the Lord's will, we have to give some time. 7. In my own case an extensive needful correspondence. 8. The weakness of body on the part of both of us when the preaching is done, when the strangers who lodge with us are gone, when the calls at our house are over, when the needful letters, however briefly, are written, when the necessary church business is settled, our minds are often so worn out that we are glad to be quiet. 9. But suppose we have bodily strength remaining after the above things have been attended to, yet the frame of mind is not always so, as that one could visit. After having been particularly tried by church matters, which in so large a body does not rarely occur, or being cast down in one's own soul, one may be fit for the closet, but not for visiting the saints. 10. Lastly, in my own case, no small part of my time is taken up by attending to the affairs of the orphan houses, schools, the circulation of the scriptures, the aiding missionary efforts, and other work connected with the scriptural knowledge institution. 3. What is to be done under these circumstances? 1. In the days of the apostles there would have been more brethren to take the oversight of so large a body as we are. The Lord has not laid upon us a burden which is too heavy for us, he is not a hard master. It is evident that he does not mean us even to attempt to visit all the saints as much, as is absolutely needful, and much less as frequently, as it would be desirable. We mention this, to prevent uncomfortable feelings on the part of the dear saints, under our pastoral care, who find themselves not as much visited as they used to be when we came to Bristol, when the number of them was not seventy, and now it is about four hundred, and when in many other respects the work in our hands was not half so much, as it is now, and when we had much more bodily strength. 2. 
It is therefore evident that there are other pastors needed, not nominal pastors, but such as the Lord has called, to whom he has given a pastor's heart, and pastoral gifts. 3. Such may be raised up by the Lord, from our own number, or the Lord may send them from elsewhere. 4. But in the meantime we should at least see, whether there are not helpers among us five. As to the work itself, in order that time may be saved, it appears desirable that the two churches, Bethesda and Gideon, should be united into one, that the breaking of bread should be alternately, and that the number of weekly meetings should be reduced. October 21st. A few weeks since I had rented a very large, and a very cheap house for the boys' orphan house, but as the persons who lived in that neighborhood threatened the landlord with an action on account of letting his house for a charitable institution, I at once gave up all claim. That which led me to do so was the word of the Lord, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I was quite sure when I gave up the agreement that the Lord would provide other premises. On the same morning when this took place, October 5th, the Lord, to show his continued approbation of the work, sent 50L. By a sister, who is far from being rich, for the furnishing of the boy's orphan house. Now, today, the Lord has given me another house for the orphan boys, in the same street, in which the other two orphan houses are. Thus, in his own time, he has sent help in this particular also. Indeed in everything in which I have had to deal with him alone in this work, I have never been disappointed. October 23rd. Today two young sisters were received into fellowship who have been in our Sunday school. Thus we begin now to reap fruit in respect of our schools. November 1st. Our Bible school and missionary funds having been for some time very low, I had been led repeatedly to ask the Lord for a rich supply, and mentioned several times, though with submission to his will, the sum of 100 L. before him. However, he seemed not to regard the prayer respecting the 100 L, but gave to us by little and little what was needed. Yesterday I received a donation of 80 L, and today one of 20 L, and thus he has kindly given the 100 L. By this means we are able to increase our stock of Bibles, which has been much reduced of late. November 5th. Last night I woke with a great weakness in my head, which kept me a good while awake. I at last got to sleep by tying a handkerchief round my head, and by thus pressing it. Today, however, though weak, I was able to preach, and that with much enjoyment, especially in the evening at Bethesda. November 6th. I feel very weak in my head. This evening it was settled at a meeting of the two churches assembling at Bethesda and Gideon chapels that, for the reasons before given, the two churches should be henceforth united as one. November 7th. My head is so weak that I see it absolutely needful to give up the work for some time. After I had come this morning to the conclusion to leave Bristol for a while for the purpose of quietness, I received an anonymous letter from Ireland with 5L for my own personal expenses, and thus the Lord has kindly supplied me with the means for doing so I can work no longer, my head being in such a weak state from continual exertion, so that I feel now comfortable in going, though scarcely any time could have been, humanly speaking, more unsuitable. The orphan house for the boys is on the point of being opened, the laborers therefore are to be introduced into the work, most important church matters have been entered upon and are yet unsettled, but the Lord knows better, and cares for his work more than I do, or can. Therefore I desire to leave the matter with him, and he graciously helps me to do so, and thus, in the quiet submission to his will, and the willingness to leave the work in his own hands, I have the testimony, that I have not been engaged in my own work, but in his November 8th. This morning I left Bristol. When I left my house, I knew not what place to go to. All I knew was that I must leave Bristol. A bath coach was the first one I could get, and I took it. My intention was not to go to Brethren, as I needed perfect quietness, but I felt so uncomfortable at the hotel, on account of the worldliness of the place, that I went to see a brother, who with his aunts kindly pressed me to stay with them. This evening has been a very trying season to me my head has been very weak, I have greatly feared lest I should become insane, but amidst it all, through grace, my soul is quietly resting upon the Lord. November 12th. Lord Este. I am still staying in Bath. The weakness of my head allowed me to attend but one meeting, and even that distressed my head much. November 13th. 
I was greatly distressed this evening on account of my head. I prayed earnestly to be kept from insanity. November 14th. I am rather better in my head today. November 15th. I left Bath and went back to Bristol as I felt I needed more quietness and I can have in the house of any friends being continually drawn into conversation which my head cannot bear. Knopf, 16. Today I went to Weston Supermare to take lodgings for myself and family. A sister sent me this morning 5L by which the Lord has provided me with the means for removing my family. November 17th. Weston Supermare. This evening my wife and child and our servant arrived here. Yesterday a sister secretly put two sovereigns in my wife's pocketbook. How kind is the Lord in thus providing us with means according to our need? How kind also in having just now sent Brother B to take the work arising from the schools, orphan houses, and see, just as Brother C.R. was sent two years ago. Shortly before I was completely laid aside today a brother sent me information that he had ordered 100 pairs of blankets to be sent to me for distribution among the poor. November 23rd. My general health is pretty good, my head, however, is no better, but rather worse. This evening I was led through the affliction in my head to great irritability of temper. Of late I have had a fresh painfully to experience in myself two things. One. That affliction in itself does not lead nearer to God. 2. That we may have a good deal of leisure time and yet fail in profitably improving it. Often had I wished within the last months that I might have more time. Now the Lord has given it to me, but alas, how little of it is improved for prayer. I find it a difficult thing, whilst caring for the body, not to neglect the soul. It seems to me much easier to go on altogether regardless of the body in the service of the Lord than to take care of the body in the time of sickness and not to neglect the soul, especially in an affliction like my present one when the head allows but little reading or thinking what a blessed prospect to be delivered from this wretched evil nature. I can say nothing respecting this day and this evening in particular but that I am a wretched man. November 24th. I am now quite sure that I want more than mere quiet and change of air, even medical advice. My general health seems improved through my stay at Weston, but the disease in my head is increased. I have had many distressing moments since I have been at Weston, on account of fearing that my disease may be the forerunner of insanity, yet God has in mercy sustained me and enabled me, in some small measure, notwithstanding my great sinfulness, to realize the blessing of being in Christ, and therefore secure forever. November 25th. We returned to Bristol. I was at peace, being able to cast myself upon the Lord respecting the calamity which I feared. This evening I saw a kind physician and surgeon who told me that the disease is either a tendency of blood to the head, or that the nerves of the head are in a disordered state. They also told me that I had not the least reason to fear insanity. How little grateful is my soul for this. November 29th. I am no better. A sister sent me today 5L. Also a pickled tongue, fowls, cakes, and beautiful grapes were sent to me my cup, as to temporal mercies, runs over one of the orphan children died while I was at Weston Supermare. There is reason to believe that she died in the faith. November 30th. I am not any better. I have written to my father perhaps for the last time. All is well, all will be well, all cannot but be well, because I am in Christ. How precious that now, in this my sickness, I have not to seek after the Lord, but have already found Him. December 1st. By the mercy of God my head is somewhat relieved. My liver is in the most inactive state, which, as my kind medical attendants tell me, has created the pressure on the top of the head, and through the inactivity of the liver, the whole system having been weakened, and my mental exertions having been continued, the nerves of the head have greatly suffered in consequence. This evening was sent to me, anonymously, from a distance, 5L, for my own present necessities. The letter was only signed FWA sister, a stranger, gave to my wife a 1L, but the Lord remembers our increased expenditure in consequence of my affliction and sends to us accordingly. December 4th. Yesterday I met with the brethren for the breaking of bread. Today I am not so well. Every time that I meet with them, the nerves of my head are excited and I am worse afterwards. 
a sister from Barnstaple sent us one L. L5's December 8th. My head is not so well, as at the end of last week. I find it difficult to be in Bristol, and not to exert my mind. Prayer and the reading of the word I can bear better than anything. May the Lord give me grace to pray more. I see as yet scarcely a single reason, so far, as I myself am concerned, why the Lord should remove this affliction from me I do not find myself more conformed to the mind of Jesus, by it. December 9th. Two years ago this day, I stated my intention of establishing an orphan house, if God should permit. What has God drawn since? Seventy-five orphans are now under our care, and twenty-one more we can receive. Several more are daily expected. During the last twelve months the expenses have been about 740L, and the income about 840L. In addition to this, about 400L has been expended upon the schools, the circulation of the scriptures, and in aiding missionary purposes. More than 1100L. Therefore we have needed during the past year, and our good Lord has supplied all, without one single person having been asked for anything. December 12th. Today the hundred pairs of blankets arrive. How kind of the Lord to give us the privilege of being instrumental, in providing, in this respect, for some of the poor, both among the saints, and in the world. This donation came in most seasonably, as, on inquiring into the circumstances of some of the poor, most affecting cases of distress were discovered, on account of the want of blankets. May the Lord give me grace, to deny myself, in order to provide for the necessities of the poor. How much may be done even by a little self-denial. Lord, help me. The blankets were of a very good quality. It is a Christ-like spirit, in supplying the necessities of the poor, not to ask how little will do for them, but how richly may I possibly supply their need. December 14th. A sister, who a short time since had given me 5L, for my own personal expenses, gave me another 5L. Today. How very kind is the Lord, in providing so abundantly for us, and giving us far more than we need. December 16th. My head is not at all better, but rather worse. My medical attendants have today changed the medicine. But however kind and skillful they are, however nourishing the food which I take, however much I seek to refrain from overexertion, and however much I take exercise, in the air, till thou, my great physician, thou, creator, of the universe, Lord Jesus, dost restore me, I shall be laid aside I have been working a little during the last fortnight, but only a little. December 17th period Lord Day. This morning I saw the 32 orphan girls, who are above 7 years old, pass, under my window, to go to the chapel. When I saw these dear children in their clean dresses, and their comfortable warm cloaks, and when I saw them walking orderly, under the care of a sister to the chapel, I felt grateful to God, that I had been made the instrument of providing for them, seeing that they are all better off, both, as it regards temporal and spiritual things, and if they were at the places from whence they were taken. I felt, that, to bring about such a sight, was worth the labor not only of many days, but of many months, or years. I felt that it answered all the arguments of some of my friends who say you do too much. December 24th. This is the seventh Lord's day, that I have been laid aside this day I determine, by the help of God, no more to send letters and parcels, because I now clearly see that it is against the laws of the country, and it becomes me as a disciple of Jesus, in every respect to submit myself to the government, in so far, as I am not called upon to do anything contrary to the word of God. December 26. Today the same brother who sent me the hundred pairs of blankets, sent me one hundred L. To purchase as many more blankets, as I can satisfactorily distribute. December 29. Applications for the admission of orphans become more and more numerous. Almost daily fresh cases are brought before us. There are already as many applications for orphan girls, above seven years as would fill another house. There are also many more infant orphans applied for than we can take and truly this is a large field of labor. December 31st. This is the eighth Lord's day since I have been kept from ministering in the word, nor did I think it well, on account of my head, to go to any of the meetings today. Whether I am really getting better I know not, yet I hope I am. 
My head is yet much affected, though my liver seems somewhat more active this morning. I greatly dishonored the Lord by irritability manifested towards my dear wife, and that almost immediately after I had been on my knees before God, praising Him for having given me such a wife. Review of the year 1837. I there are now 81 children in the three orphan houses, and nine brethren and sisters, who have the care of them. 90. Therefore, daily sit down to table. Lord look on the necessities of thy servant. 2. The schools require as much help, as before, nay, more, particularly the Sunday school, in which there are at present about 320 children, and in the day schools about 350 period Lord, thy servant is a poor man but he has trusted in thee, and made his boast in thee, before the sons of men, therefore let him not be confounded. Let it not be said, all this is enthusiasm, and therefore it is come to naught. 3. My temporal supplies have been dash 1. By the free will offerings through the boxes 149.18.6 and one half the. 2. By presents in money from believers in, and out of Bristol 77 fours. 0 d. 3. By presents in clothes, provisions, and see, which were worth to us at least twenty-five zeros. Zero D. Four. By money through family connection forty-five zeros. Zero D. Five. We have been living half free of rent, whereby we have saved at least ten zeros. Zero D. Altogether three hundred seven twos. Six and one half D. I have purposely given here again, as at the close of the former years, a statement of the supplies which the Lord has been pleased to send me during this year, because I delight in showing, both to the world, and to the church, how kind a master I have served even, as to temporal blessings, and how so plainly in my ease the Lord has displayed the truth of that word whosoever believeth on him shall not be confounded. Not merely by providing the means for his work in my hands, but also by providing for the necessities of myself and family. January 1, 1838. Through the good hand of our God, upon me, I have been brought to the beginning of another year. May he in mercy grant that it may be spent more in his service, than any previous year. May I, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, be more conformed to the image of his Son, and has been the case hitherto last night the brethren had a prayer meeting at Gideon, after the preaching was over, and continued till half past twelve in prayer, but I was unable to be present. January 2nd. During the last night thieves broke into our house and into the schoolroom of Gideon Chapel. Being stopped by a second strong door, in my house, or rather being prevented from going any further by our loving Father, who did not allow the hedge which he has set round about us, at this time, to be broken through, nothing was missing, except some cold meat, which they took out of the house they broke open several boxes in Gideon's schoolroom, but took nothing. They left some of the bones, the meat being cut off, in one of the boxes in Gideon's schoolroom, and hung up another in a tree in our garden. So depraved is man naturally when left to himself, that he not only steals his fellow men as property, but also makes sport of the sin. How merciful that God has protected us! My mind was peaceful when I heard the news this morning, thanking God, from my heart for preservation, and considering it, as an answer to prayer, which had been many times put up to him, during these last years, respecting thieves. January 6th. I feel very little better in my head, though my general health seems improved, but my kind physician says I am much better, and advises me now change of air. I am most reluctant to go, though on two former occasions, when I used change of air, in August 1829, at Exmoat, and in 1835, at night on, in the I Love White, the Lord abundantly blessed me in doing so, both bodily, and spiritually. This evening a sister who resides about fifty miles from hence, and who is therefore quite unacquainted with the medical advice given to me this morning, sent me fifteen L for the express purpose of change of air, and wrote that she felt assured, from having been similarly afflicted, that nothing would do me so much good, humanly speaking, as quite and change of air. How wonderfully does God work! I have thus the means of carrying into effect my physician's advice today I heard of a most remarkable case of conversion through the instrumentality of my narrative. January 7th. This is the ninth Lord's day that I have been kept from ministering in the Word. My head is in a distressing state, and, as far as I can judge, as bad as ever. It seems to me more and more clear that the nerves are affected.
my affliction is connected with a great tendency to irritability of temper, yea, with some satanic feeling, foreign to me even naturally. O Lord, mercifully keep thy servant, from openly desiring thy name. Rather take me soon home to thyself. January 10th. Today I went with my family to Trowbridge. January 12th. Trowbridge. This evening I commenced reading Whitfield's Life, written by Mr. Philip. January 13th. I have already received blessings through Whitfield's Life. His great success in preaching the gospel is evidently to be ascribed, instrumentally, to his great prayerfulness, and his reading the Bible, on his knees. I have known the importance of this for years, I have practiced it a little, but far too little. I have had more communion with God today, and I have had, at least generally, for some time past. January 14th. Lord Day. I have continued reading Whitfield's life. God has again blessed it to my soul. I have spent several hours in prayer today, and read on my knees, and prayed for two hours over Samuksi. God has blessed my soul much today. I have been fighting together with the armies of Jesus, though this is the tenth Lord Day, since I have been kept from preaching, and though I have not assembled with the brethren here, on account of my head. My soul is now brought into that state, that I delight myself in the will of God, as it regards my health. Yea, I can now say, from my heart, I would not have this disease removed till God, through it, has bestowed the blessing for which it was sent. He has drawn out my soul much yesterday and today. Lord, continue thy goodness, and fill me with love. I long, more fully to glorify God not so much by outward activity, as by inward conformity to the image of Jesus. What hinders God, to make of one, so vile, as I am, another Whitfield? Surely, God could bestow as much grace upon me, as he did upon him. O, oh, my Lord, draw me closer, and closer to thyself, that I may run after thee I desire. If God should restore me again for the ministry of the word, and this I believe he will do soon, judging from the state in which he has now brought my soul, though I have been worse in health the last eight days, and for several weeks previously, that my preaching may be more than ever the result of earnest prayer, and much meditation, and that I may so walk with God, that out of my belly may flow rivers of living water. But alas! If the grace of God prevent not, one day more, and the rich blessings which he has bestowed upon my soul yesterday, and today, will all vanish, but again, if he favors me, and oh, may he do it, I shall go from strength to strength, and I, and the saints in Bristol shall have abundant reason, to praise God for this my illness. January 15th. I have had, since yesterday afternoon less suffering in my head, and for the last eight days. Though it is even now far from being well, I have still an inward assurance, on account of the spiritual blessings which the Lord has granted to me, that through this affliction he is only purifying me for his blessed service, and that I shall be soon restored to the work today. Also, God has continued to me fervency of spirit, which I have now enjoyed for three days following. He has today, also, drawn out my soul into much real communion with himself, and into holy desires, to be more conformed to his dear Son. When God gives a spirit of prayer, how easy then to pray. Nevertheless it was given to me in the use of the means, as I fell on my knees last Saturday, to read his word with meditation, and to turn it into prayer. Today I spent about three hours in prayer over PSLXIV, and LXV in reference to that precious word. Oh how that hearest prayer, PSLXV2. I asked the Lord the following petitions, and entreated him, to record them in heaven, and to answer them. 1. That he would give me grace, to glorify him by a submissive and patient spirit, under my affliction. 2. That, as I was enabled now, and only now from my heart, to praise God for this affliction, he would not remove his hand, from me, until he had qualified me for his work more than I have been hitherto. 3. That he would be pleased to grant, that the work of conversion, through the instrumentality of Brother Craig, and myself, might not cease, but go on as much now, as when we first came to Bristol, yea, more abundantly than even then. 4. That he would be pleased to give more real spiritual prosperity to the church, under our care, and ever we have as yet enjoyed. 5. 
Having praised him for the sale of so many copies of my narrative, in so short a time, I entreated him to cause every copy to be disposed of. 6. I asked him to continue to let his rich blessing rest upon this little work, and more abundantly, so that many may be converted through it, and many of the children of God truly benefited by it, and that thus I might now be speaking through it, though laid aside from active service. 7. I asked him for his blessing, in the way of conversion, to rest upon the orphans and upon the Sunday and day school children, under our care. 8. I asked him for means to carry on these institutions and to enlarge them. These are some of the petitions which I have asked of my God this evening in connection with this his own word. I believe he has heard me I believe he will make it manifest in his own good time that he has heard me and I have recorded these my petitions this 14th day of January 1838 that when God has answered them he may get through this glory to his name while striking the second part I add to the praise of the Lord and for the encouragement of the children of God that petitions 4, 5, 6, 7 and 8 have been fully answered and the other petitions, likewise, in part January 16th, Tuesday. A blessed day. How very good is the Lord. Fervency of spirit, through His grace, is continued to me, though this morning, but for the help of God, I should have lost it again. The weather has been very cold for several days, but today I suffered much, either because it was colder than before, or because I felt it more, owing to the weakness of my body, and having taken so much medicine. I arose from my knees and stirred the fire, but I still remained very cold. I was a little irritated by this. I moved to another part of the room, but felt the cold still more. At last, having prayed for some time, I was obliged to rise up and take a walk to promote circulation. I now entreated the Lord on my walk that the circumstance might not be permitted to rob me of the precious communion which I have had with him the last three days, for this was the object at which Sid named. I confessed also my sin of irritability on account of the cold and sought to have my conscience cleansed through the blood of Jesus. He had mercy upon me, my peace was restored, and when I returned I saw the Lord again in prayer, and had done interrupted communion with Him. I have purposely mentioned the above circumstance, in detail, in order to show how the most trivial causes may operate in suddenly robbing one of the enjoyment of most blessed communion with God I have been enabled to pray for several hours this day. The subject of my meditation has been some LXVI, verses 10, 11, and 12, are particularly applicable to my present circumstances. God has already, through the instrumentality of this my affliction, brought me into a wealthy place, and I believe He will bless my soul, yet more and more I do not remember any time when I have had more fervency of spirit in connection with such a desire to overcome everything that is hateful in the sight of God, and with such an earnestness to be fully conformed to the image of Jesus. Truly, I have reason to apply to myself verse 16, and tell what God has done for my soul. Verse 18 also I can't take to myself. I do not regard iniquity in my heart, but it is upright before Him, through His grace, and therefore God does hear my prayers, what has God done for me? In comparing the 16th of January 1838 with the 16th of January 1820, the day on which my dear mother died, I have also resolved this day, if the Lord should restore me again, to have an especial meeting at the chapel, once a week, or once a fortnight, with the orphan and day school children, for the purpose of reading the scriptures, with them my heart has been drawn out in prayer for many things, especially that the Lord would create in me a holy earnestness, to win souls and a greater compassion for ruined sinners. For this I have been quickened through reading onward in Whitfield's life. January 17th. The Lord is yet merciful to me I enjoy fervency of spirit. My soul has been again repeatedly led out in prayer this day, and that for a considerable time I have read on my knees with prayer and meditation. Psalm verse 5 A Father of the Fatherless one of the titles of Jehovah has been an especial blessing to me with reference to the orphans. The truth which is contained in this, I never realized so much as today. By the help of God, this shall be my argument before him, respecting the orphans in the hour of need. He is their father, and therefore has pledged himself, as it were, to provide for them and to care for them, and I have only to remind him of the need of these poor children, in order to have it supplied. My soul is still more enlarged respecting orphans. This word of father of the fatherless, 
contains enough encouragement to cast thousands of orphans with all their need upon the loving heart of God. My head has been again in a distressing state today. My soul, however, is in peace. May God in mercy continue to me fervency up spirit. January 18th to February 2nd. During this time I continued still at Trowbridge. I was, on the whole, very happy, and habitually at peace, and had repeatedly much communion with God, but still I had not the same earnestness in prayer, nor did I, in other respects, enjoy the same degree of fervency of spirit with which the Lord had favored me for several days previous to this period. While the considerable degree of fervency of spirit which I had had was altogether the gift of God, still I have to ascribe to myself the loss of it. It is remarkable that the same book, Whitfield's Life, which was instrumental in stirring me up to seek after such a frame of heart, was also instrumental in depriving me of it, in some measure, afterwards. I once or twice read that book when I ought to have read the Bible, on my knees, and thus was robbed of a blessing. Nevertheless, on the whole, even this period was a good season, my health being not at all improved, it seemed best that I should give up all medicine, for a while, and take a tour, on which account I left Trowbridge today, and went to Bath, with the object of going from thence to Oxford. I had grace today to confess the Lord Jesus, on my way from Trowbridge to Bath, as also twice, lately, in going from Trowbridge to Bristol, but I was also twice silent. Oh that my heart may be filled with the love of Jesus, in order that it may be filled with love for perishing sinners. February 3rd. I left Bath this morning, and arrived in the evening at Oxford, where I was very kindly received by brother and sister, and the sisters. February 7th. Oxford. I had been praying repeatedly yesterday, and the day, before, that the Lord would be pleased to guide me, whether I should leave this place, or not, but could not see it clearly to be His will that I should do so, and therefore determined to stay. Now, as I am able to have a quiet horse, I shall try horse exercise, if it may please the Lord, to bless that to the benefit of my health. February 10th. I have had horse exercise for the last three days, but the horse's now a mine hour is not yet come, is the Lord's voice to me in this little circumstance, February 11th. This morning I was directed to read Proverbs III. 5 to 12, having just a few minutes, to fill up before breakfast, I was particularly struck with those words, neither be weary of his correction. I have not been allowed to despise the chastening of the Lord, but I begin, now and then, to feel somewhat weary of his correction. O Lord, have mercy upon thy poor unworthy servant. Thou knowest, that, after the inner man, I desire patiently to bear this affliction, and not to have it removed till it has done its work, in me, and yielded the peaceable fruits of righteousness. But thou knowest also what a trial it is to me to continue the life I am now living. Help, Lord, according to my need. On February 8th I sent a letter to the church in Bristol, which, having been preserved, I give here in print, as it shows the way in which the Lord dealt with me during and through the instrumentality of the affliction, and which, with his blessing, may lead one or other of the children of God, who are in trial, quietly to wait for the end and to look out for blessings to be bestowed upon them through the instrumentality of the trial. To the saints, united together in fellowship, and assembling at Bethesda and Gideon Chapels, Bristol. Trowbridge, February 1, 1838. Dear brethren, twelve weeks have passed away since I last ministered among you. I should have written to you repeatedly, during that period, had I not thought it better to put aside every mental occupation which could be deferred, as my head is unfit for mental exertion, but I would now rather write a few lines, and appear unmindful of you. You are dear to me, yea, so dear, that I desire to live and die with you, if our Lord permit, and why should I not tell you so by letter? I will write, then as a token of brotherly remembrance, and of love towards you, and may it be a means of quickening you to prayer on my behalf. In looking back upon my past life, I know not where to begin, and where to end, in making mention of the Lord's mercies. His long-suffering towards me in the days of my unregeneracy cannot be described. Do you know a little of my sinful life, before I was brought to the Lord, still you know, but very little. If, however, I have much reason to praise God for His mercies towards me in those days. I have more abundant reason to admire His gentleness, long-suffering, and faithfulness towards me since I have known Him. He has step by step led me on, and He has not broken the bruised reed. 
His gentleness towards me has been great indeed, very great. Brethren, let us follow God, in dealing gently with each other. He has borne with my coldness, half-heartedness, and backsliding. In the midst of it all, he has treated me as his child. How can I sufficiently praise him for this long-suffering? Brethren, let us imitate our Father, let us bear long, and suffer long with each other. He has been always the same gracious, kind, loving Father, friend, supporter, teacher, comforter, and all in all to me, as he was at the beginning. No variableness has been found in him, towards me, though I have again, and again provoked him. I say this to my shame. Brethren, let us seek to be faithful in the Lord towards each other. Let us seek to love each other in the truth and for the truth's sake without variableness. It is easy, comparatively, to begin to love, but it requires much watchfulness, not to grow weary in love when little or no love is returned, yea, when we are unkindly treated instead of being loved. But as our gracious, faithful God, notwithstanding all our variableness, loves us without change, so should we, his children, love each other. Lord, help us so to do. Besides this gentleness, long-suffering, and faithfulness, which the Lord has manifested towards me, and which I have experienced in common with you all, the Lord has bestowed upon me peculiar blessings and privileges. One of the chief is, that he has condescended to call me for the ministry of his word. How can I praise him sufficiently for this one who was such a sinner, such a servant of Satan, so fit for hell, so deserving of everlasting destruction, was not merely cleansed from sin, and made a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus, and thus fitted for heaven, and did not merely receive the sure promise that he should have eternal glory, but was also called unto, and, in a measure, qualified for the expounding of the word of God. I magnify him for this honor but more than this, more than eleven years, with very little interruption, have I been allowed, more or less, to preach the word. My soul does magnify the Lord, for this. More still, the Lord has condescended to use me, as an instrument in converting many sinners, and, in a measure at least, in benefiting many of his children. For this honor I do now praise God, and shall praise him not merely as long as I live, but as long as I have a being. But I do not stop here. I have many other reasons to speak well of the Lord, but I would only mention one. It is my present affliction. Yes, my present affliction is among the many things for which I have very much reason to praise God, and I do praise Him for it. Before you, before the whole Church of Christ, and before the world would I confess that God has dealt in very kindness towards me in this affliction. I own, I have not borne it without impatience and fretfulness, I own. I have been several times overcome by irritability of temper on account of it, but nevertheless, after the inner man, I praise God for the affliction, and I do desire from my heart that it may truly benefit me, and that it may not be removed till the end has been answered, for which it has been sent. God has blessed me in this trial, and is still blessing me as I know you love me, unworthy as I am of it, and feel interested about me. I mention a few of the many mercies with which God has favored me during these twelve weeks. 1. At the commencement of my illness, when my head was affected in a manner quite new to me, and when thus it continued day after day, I feared lest I should lose my reason this created more real internal suffering, than ever I had known before. But our gracious Lord supported me His precious gospel was full of comfort to me all, all will be well, was invariably the conclusion, the conclusion grounded upon scripture to which I came, yea, all will be well with me eternally, though the heaviest of all earthly trials should coins upon me, even that of dying in a state of insanity I was once near death, as I then thought, nearly nine years ago. I was full of comfort at that time, but to be comfortable, to be able quietly to repose upon God, with the prospect of an affliction, before one, such as I have now mentioned, is more than to be comfortable in the prospect of death, at least for a believer now, is it not well to be afflicted, in order to obtain such an experience? And have I not reason, therefore, to thank God for this affliction? Oxford, February 6, 1838 When I began to write the foregoing lines, beloved brethren, I intended to write but very briefly, 
But, as I love you, and, as I have abundant reason to magnify the Lord, my pen ran on till my head would follow no longer I go on now to mention some other mercies which the Lord has bestowed upon me, through my present affliction. 2. Through being deprived for so long a time of the privilege of preaching the word to sinners and saints, the Lord has been pleased to create in me a longing for this blessed work, and to give me at the same time, to feel the importance of it, in a degree in which I never had experienced it before. Thus the Lord has fitted me somewhat more for his work by laying me aside from it. Good therefore is the Lord, and kind indeed, in disabling me from preaching. Great has been my trial, after the self-willed old nature, not to be able to preach, and long ere this, unfit, as I was for it, I should have resumed the work, had I followed my own will, but hitherto have I considered it most for the glory of God, quietly to refrain from outward service, in order to glorify him by patient submission, till my Lord shall be pleased to condescend to call his servant forth again for active engagements. And then, I know, he will give me grace cheerfully to go back to the delightful service of pointing sinners to the Lamb of God, and of feeding the church. 3. Through this affliction I have known experimentally in a higher degree, and I knew it before, how, if obliged to refrain from active service, one can nevertheless as really and truly help the armies of Jesus, through secret prayer, as if one were actively engaged in the proclamation of the truth. This point brings to my mind a truth of which we all need to be reminded frequently, even this, that at all times, and under all circumstances, we may really and truly serve the Lord and fight for his kingdom, by seeking to manifest his mind, and by giving ourselves to prayer. 4. Through the instrumentality of this affliction the Lord has been pleased to show me, how I may lay out myself more fully for his service, in the proclamation of his truth, and, by his grace, if ever restored for active service, I purpose to practice what he has shown me. 5. Through being deprived so much from meeting with the brethren, as I have been these thirteen weeks, I have learned somewhat more to value this privilege, than I did before. For as my head has been much affected, even through one meeting, on the Lord's day, I have seen how highly I ought to have prized the days, when twice, or thrice I could meet with the saints, without suffering from it bear, with me, brethren, when I beseech you, highly to esteem the opportunities of assembling yourselves together. Proceed them with prayer, for only inasmuch, as you do so, have you a right to expect a blessing from them. Seek to treasure up, not merely in your memory, but in your heart, the truths which you hear, for soon you may be deprived of these privileges, and soon you may be called upon to practice what you hear. Brethren, let us not learn the greatness of our privileges by being deprived of them. I also delight in mentioning some of the particulars in which the Lord has kindness, to me has appeared in this affliction, and whereby he has shown, that he does not lay more on us, and is absolutely needful. 1. Do you know, that since May, 1836, I was able to walk but little. This infirmity the Lord entirely removed, just before I became afflicted in my head. This was exceedingly kind, for air and exercise are the only means, which almost immediately relieve my head. How much greater would have been the affliction, had I not been able to walk about in the air truly, he stayed his rough wind, in the day of his east wind. I delight in pointing out the gentleness of the stroke. Oxford, February 7, 1838. 2. The Lord might have chosen to confine me to my bed, and kept me there in much pain these thirteen weeks, for the sake of teaching me the lessons which he purposes me to learn through this affliction, instead of this, the pain in my head has been so slight that it would not be worth mentioning, were it not connected with the weakness of the mental faculties, which allows of but little exertion. 3. Further, it might have pleased the Lord to incapacitate me altogether for active service, but instead of this, he has still allowed me, in some small measure, to help by my judgment, in some church matters, to write some letters in his service, to speak now, and then a word to believers for the furtherance of their faith, and to confess his name repeatedly before unconverted persons with whom I have met on my journeys. Besides all this, I have had strength for other work connected with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 4. In one other point the Lord has been especially gracious to me, in that, while I have been unable to preach, unable to write or read much, or even to converse for any length of time with the brethren, he has allowed me always sufficient strength for as much secret prayer as I desired.
Even praying with others has been often trying to my head, but prayer in secret has not only never tried my head, but has been habitually, I mean the act of prayer, a relief to my head. Oh! How can I sufficiently praise God for this? How comparatively slight are any trials to a child of God, as long as under them he is enabled to converse freely with his Father? And so sweet has been this communion with my father, a few times, and so have I been enabled to pour out my heart before him, that whilst those favored seasons have lasted, I not only felt the affliction to be no affliction, and could call it, from my heart, sweet affliction, but I was almost unwilling soon to go back to the multiplicity of engagements in Bristol, lest I should not have leisure to continue so much in prayer, meditation, and the study of his word. Shall I not then praise my father? for such dealings with me? Do I not even now see this affliction working for my good? I say, therefore, after the inward man, Father, continue thy hand upon me, as long as it shall seem good in eyesight, only bless my soul. But, brethren, do not mistake me, as if I meant that I prayed habitually with much earnestness. Oh no! I pray a little habitually, I pray now, and then much, but I pray by no means as much as my strength and present time allow me therefore ask God on my behalf, that grace may be given me, habitually to pray much, and you will surely be profited by it, but I could not help alluding to this point, as the Lord's kindness is so particularly seen in this matter. 5. Lastly, I cannot omit mentioning the kindness of the Lord, in opening the houses of some of his children at Bath, Trowbridge, and Oxford, for me, during this my affliction. These dear saints have shown me much kindness, but while I would be grateful to them for it, I discern the hand of God in influencing their hearts. Moreover, I have had kind medical attendants. And you, my dear brethren, though I have been unable to minister among you, have continued to supply my temporal wants, for which I thank you, and in all of which I see the gracious, loving hand of my Father, who through all this, as by a voice from heaven, tells me, my child, even bodily health and strength would I give, were good for thee. I therefore desire to wait for the good pleasure of my God concerning this point. Your love will naturally ask, how I now am in body. My disease, as my kind medical friends tell me, is an inactive liver, which causes the pain in the head, and the inability of exerting my mind for any length of time. In addition to this, the nerves of the head seem to have suffered through overexertion. As medicine had been tried for about ten weeks, and had not given relief, it appeared well that I should give it up for a time, and simply travel about for the benefit of the air.